It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can find me on Twitter at Kane Pittman. And the show at Locked on Bucks is the 2021 regular season is underway. The Bucks have gone down in... Uh, I, I don't know whether there could be possibly a more annoying way to lose a game than uh, the way this one went down. But the Bucks did lose 122 to 121. And joining me to talk about it is the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, who has just finished up a big drive from Texas to Wisconsin. He's back home, and I was feeling for you, Frank. I wasn't sure, actually, whether you were watching this game live, but I said this before we started recording. Sometimes we bury the lead a little bit, but let's not do this here. Jason Tatum banked in a three that was so far off that I, as soon as it left his hands, I was actually fearful that it was going to be banked in because it was so far off on the so camera. Yeah, so that was the, going to be the worst result possible and then Giannis was at the free throw line could have tied it uh for obvious reasons I wasn't feeling too comfortable about that uh being the the type of way this game was going to be decided but lead us off Frank what do you want to talk about first uh the the bank shot the free throws uh go for your life yeah I mean you you stole my line it was I mean like you couldn't have architected a more fucking annoying way to lose a basketball game. I mean, <laughs> a, a, a bank three and watching, you know, Jason Tatum act like, you know, it was, you know, not just a completely lucky shot. Right. And then Giannis to be exposed for choking for, for his inability to hit free throws when they matter. You know, he, he hits hit five out of six in that game and actually hit the first one um, essentially on the last play of the game on a, whatever questionable foul but you know it is what it is um makes the first free throw i i thought he was in a short arm the first one that would have been like typically honest like he just you know his brain gets too tight and he and he short arms the first free throw instead he makes the first one and then chokes on the second one um so yeah i mean it was just you know um an unfortunate way to to lose a basketball game and um but unfortunately i mean the bucks kind of they dug themselves a huge hole and I think the interesting thing was, I mean, we've talked about this last year. They really never came back from big fourth quarter deficits last year. I think that really was uh, an experience that they lack kind of going into the playoffs because it just felt like if they were down, you know, double digits in the fourth quarter, it didn't happen much, but it felt like, well, that's it. Like, you know, we, we really, other than that Houston game, first game of the season, which ironically, this is also the first game of the season, they came back, you know, from a big deficit in the second half in Houston at the opener last year which I had the pleasure of seeing live. Um, and they nearly do it in this game down 17, I think early in the 
what was it early in the fourth or late in the third of this one. Um, but again, I mean, they, they dug themselves a big hole, um, you know, defensively, they got lit up, um, combination of, you know, I'd say obviously, okay, you don't, you don't play good defense and give up a 121 defensive rating. Um, I think again, the Celtics, they made a lot of threes. They made a lot of mid range kind of, you know, fadeaways from Tatum and, and Brown, especially in the second half felt like when the Bucks did play good defense, it, it felt like it didn't always pay off <laughs> with those guys making shots that you live with. Um, you know, they were plus 10 in the paint, 50 to 40. So you can live with that. Um, and 80% defensive rebound rate. You can live with that. Um, but, you know, ultimately 18 out of 43s for Boston, 45%, um, you know, they made shots and Bucks obviously didn't make it hard enough on them. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, obviously it sucks that, that a three point shot that you defended really well ultimately ends up being the difference in the game. But, um, you know, again, all the usual one, it's just one game, first game of the season, all that, you know, caveats uh, apply, but obviously a lot of talking points, I think from this one, um, in which we saw obviously kind of, you know, a big talking point from the season from the preseason was, well, the Bucks top end has improved and their depth has definitely gotten worse. And that was certainly on full display in this one. I don't know if you want to go to that next, but, but that was obviously, I think probably a, a very obvious theme of this one, the, the Bucks bench giving them a big fat zero and um, you know, the, the new three headed monster, obviously pretty much being the engine of everything offensively. Yeah, I think that's a great place to start. And I will note uh, really disappointingly, the Bucks under 500 for the first time uh, in, <laughs> in the bud era, which is uh, quite remarkable. Actually last year, I think they were one on one and then they dropped to two and two, but I think that was the only times they're actually at 500. So under 500, uh, it's just uh, devastating. But uh, as you pointed to, it was a frustrating way to end. And I think the bench is a good place to start because you get 27 from Chris, 35 from Giannis and 25 from Drew. So what are we looking at there? What's that? Uh, 87 points from those three is a pretty remarkable output. And even a 13-point first half from Dante DiVincenzo, who was looking fantastic and shooting the ball with confidence, uh, he faded out a little bit. But the fact you only get 12 points from the bench is certainly concerning. Now, we know that DJ Augustine wasn't going to play, but if you're a contending team and certainly moving forward, you're going to be able to, or you have to be able to withstand losing one of your rotation players like Augustine and still get something off the bench. And I thought that it was interesting looking at the defensive struggles because I, I think that these all tie in together a little bit because I think at halftime, the Celtics, as you mentioned, they finished the game 18 for 40 from three, but I, I think they had 12 or 13 of those in the first half. And it was a lot of the same. And the Bucs were playing that drop coverage the whole way through. But I think that what we saw from the first quarter when the Bucs had a lead, they gave up some late buckets. But the starters in general looked pretty good. And they looked like they were going to be able to handle themselves offensively. When things really fell apart for Milwaukee was when Bobby Portis was on the floor. Pat Connaughton was on the floor. We saw some weird lineups with both Portis and Wilson on the floor together, which is going to be pretty troubling, I think, if tonight was any indication. And I think that that's where this game fell apart because just looking through the numbers here post-game, while the threes are the obvious thing, because that's what we talk about a lot and we talk about the defensive scheme and people get very frustrated about that, sometimes I do think you can get tunnel vision with what you're looking at and just purely look at those threes. But the Celtics were 11 for 15 tonight in the restricted area, 73.3%. 
The Bucks for the entire regular season last year was 55.2. And that's why in the past, for in many games, they've been able to withstand these high three-point totals. And tonight, they weren't able to get over the top because that's, uh, that is not characteristic of what the Bucks do defensively. They're able to score too easily. And I think we saw when those bench players were on the, on the floor that the Bucks were really exposed defensively. Now, I'm not piling that all just on the second unit, but it just goes to show that there's going to be significant work to do. And, and the one thing I will say, we've spoken about him a lot because he's been fantastic scoring the ball in the preseason, that Bobby Portis is going to have to play a significant role on this team. It, it's, it's just going to be difficult to play him extended minutes if he's only getting you three points. I mean, if he's going to be out there, he's going to have to find a way to score. That's basically what he's, uh, he's best at. That's what he's known for. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, more on the Bobby Portis isn't good side of the fence. Um, I know, uh, you know, I think especially with some of the scoring, you know, people got kind of excited about it. And, and again, I mean, you know, the, 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 the grass is greener thing that that horse alluded to was, you know, the Bucks hoping that guys yeah. like him, specifically him, let's be honest, uh, can be better defensively in the Bucks system. But again, I mean, it's one thing to hide like a wing defender, but in the Bucks system, you know, if he's playing, especially if he's playing the five, I don't know how easily you can hide him, you know, um, especially against good teams that, that, you know, can get a little bit going downhill and, and get to the rim. Um, I mean, one thing I'll say, I mean, if you're only giving up 15 shots at the rim, I mean, that's not a lot of shots. So I, I don't, I'm actually not as worried about the, uh, about the paint stuff. So I would um, just to, just to jump in because I, I agree with you, but I, I'm not sure how you feel about this. I would like to go into it further in when I have time to break it down, though, because another characteristic of the Bucks with Lopez and Giannis on the floor is teams don't take shots there. So I'm wondering, out of those 15, how many of them came and when were yeah. what players were on the floor because that could be a factor. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I guess returning to your main point, though, obviously, I mean. The Bucks, you know, relying on a bench of, of you know, Connaughton playing 23 minutes, Portis 16, Wilson 13, Bryn Forbes 14, and Sam Merrill had a token five-minute run where he literally didn't record a single stat in the, <laughs> in the box course. So maybe tamping down the, the Sam Merrill um, <laughs> hype, hype train for a night. But, um, but yeah, I, I thought, you know, again, it just th- – this was kind of laid bare, kind of all the, you know, the concerns obviously around the bench. And as you mentioned, obviously um, – you know, missing a guy like Augustine becomes especially pronounced uh, when when you have, you know, not much depth to begin with. And so we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Portis has to score. I mean, he's got to score because he's not he's not going to give you plus anything defensively. Um, and, again, I think the, the big concern is, and I think it'll be interesting to watch in the regular season, but, you know, okay, Bobby Portis is going to average, you know, like we were talking 10, 11, 12 points per game maybe. But is that going to be because he beats up on, you know, the Charlottes and the Washingtons mm-hmm. and then he does this against good teams? I think that's your concern because then what does that say about the playoffs, right? And, and what's he going to look like come playoff time? Um, ironically, we, you know, I've, I've been half joking about the, you know, we're going to have the, the Bobby Portis versus DJ Wilson um, kind of, you know, fan grudge match and, and debates all season long. Um, well, we may not have to because they're both going to play and they're probably both going to leave you wanting more. Um, I, I, I had a flash of, you know, geez, is, um, 
Anthony Tolliver signed, like, you know, sort of these thoughts, you know, which unfortunately the Bucks have no money to like, literally cannot sign anybody right now, uh, no matter how desperate uh, we might be for, for some help there. Um, so the, it, it kind of is what it is. And, you know, I think the flip side of this was Chris Middleton plays 38 minutes. Giannis plays 36 minutes. Drew Holiday plays 38 minutes. Um, you know, that those minute totals, you know, last year, if you saw those, you would have said, well, was it a double overtime game? <laughs> you know, like, like you would have literally thought it was, um, you know, a playoff game uh, with, with seeing Giannis get, get those type, especially Giannis getting those type of minute loads. Um, so I think that's interesting. And I thought you had an interesting quote that you tweeted out after the game from Giannis, basically saying he was excited about it, that he talked to Bud about it and that he wants to basically, you know, get in shape by playing bigger minutes during the regular season. And I think like I, I would, you know, I mean, I'm not going to argue with Giannis. I think Giannis probably would want to play probably two more minutes than you'd want him to. But um, I think we saw it. I mean, in the playoffs, like he doesn't look like he can play more than seven or eight minutes in a row. Um, and people talk about that. He plays so hard, blah, blah, blah. But um, I, I think it is an absolute concern that, you know, if you're having to ramp him up, in the postseason because he doesn't play much in the regular season. I think that's a big concern. I mean, I'm just looking at his minute totals, his game log from last year. The most minutes he played in the playoffs was 37 in game one of <laughs> the second round against Miami. He played 36 the next night, next game, 35, the one after that. And if you kind of scroll back, um, he played 36 minutes in that loss in LA against the Lakers in March. And if you keep going back, he had a 38-minute game against Toronto in February. But other than that, I mean, I'm scrolling trying to find another game where he played 36 minutes all season. You have to go all the way back to November. He played 36 against the Blazers. And he had a string of 36-minute games uh, earlier that month as well in November. But, but yeah, I, I think that's obviously a, a big deal if Bud is willing to you know, cut those guys loose a bit more. And, again, maybe it comes back in the playoffs and maybe they're a little more gassed than – than they otherwise would be. But, um, you know, I, th I think they're going to need to play those guys more if they want to, you know, be a, a, a one seed in the East. And I, I know you, you kind of mentioned it, like kind of not being that concerned about, you know, a slow start and things like that. I, I don't know. I mean, we've been a bit spoiled, right? Because we just assume the Bucks are going to be the one seed in the <laughs> East every year now. Um, I mean, you can't like, you can only, you can only start so slowly uh, I think the East is good enough. Again, not that there's necessarily an obvious juggernaut in the East. You know, everybody's obviously getting excited about the Nets, and we'll obviously we'll see how how well the uh, how consistent the Nets can be. They may they may come out and win. You know, the equivalent of sixty games. Who knows? We we haven't seen this this version of this team. They looked great the other night. Um, but if you're the Bucks, I think you know you want to be the one or the two seed. You're going to have fans hopefully back in stadiums at some point in the postseason. And I think home court, I mean, if, you know, we saw the Bucks obviously struggle without crowds. You wonder how that Miami series might have gone differently if there was home court advantage. Um, and, you know, again, I, I think as well, just the, the East being a little stronger, uh, there may be an advantage certainly to being, to getting, you know, again, the seventh and eighth seed versus having to get a top six seed in the first round, right? So anyway, I'm kind of, you know, jumping from game one to, to the playoffs already, but um, <laughs> that's what we do. But I, yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, I think it, you know, it was an interesting night because it sort of showed the extremes of, of what a lot of the things that we were talking about. And 
I think the minutes thing was encouraging. Um, you don't obviously want to have to rely on those guys playing high thirties every night <laughs> to be competitive. Um, but the bench stuff I think certainly was, was a concern. And, you know, we just got to obviously watch night after night just to see if that, if it's going to stay that way, or if obviously I mean, guys like Portis, I mean, again, he's not going to score three points every night, right? I mean, he's, he's going to, he's going to have much better nights than this, but I think the, the, the question of against better competition, what does he look like? And can he be a guy that actually at least keeps you even and not doesn't kill you that, that obviously I think is, is an important thing. And, you know, generally a weird game. And if you look at like the plus minus stuff, Giannis, you know, Bucks were a minus one with Giannis on the floor in 36 minutes, plus seven while Middleton was on the floor, plus 22 while Lopez was on the floor. They were minus 23 in the 19 minutes while Lopez was sitting. Um, and those numbers are going to get thrown a lot by just, there was a lot of hot three point shooting, obviously. Um, so, it, you know, you, you obviously single game plus minus, you have to be careful. Um, but the flip side is, you know, you mentioned the numbers for Portis and Connaughton. I mean, I don't think anyone would have been surprised watching that game that that the Bucks got kind of blown out of the water with those guys on the floor. So, um, yeah, I mean they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna have to be better. The offense hummed along quite nicely tonight, but uh, you know you you can get away with this when you've got those top three guys and Dante DiVincenzo also having a very hot start, cooled down as the game went on. But if you get three big nights from your big guys, big guns. You know, you're going to have enough offensively. And I think the question, we, I mean, we haven't seen the Bucks play high-level defense in quite a while with any consistency. And obviously tonight, um, a couple of different factors for it. The other reason I'd, I'd point out too, they only give up 11, they only allowed 11 free throws. So that was encouraging. They weren't fouling, but, um, but just six turnovers forced um, is, uh, or, or seven team turnovers by the Celtics. Celtics did a really nice job of, of not turning the ball over and I thought it was interesting that the Bucks still got 18, an 18 to five advantage in fast break points. They were really running out early um, and taking advantage of the Celtics, not getting back in transition, even without uh, Boston coughing it up a, a lot. So anyway, I just blathered on for quite a while, Kane. I don't know which, which direction we want to take it. I feel like we bludgeoned the Bucks depth issues to death at this point. <laughs> um, I don't know if you wanted to offer some more thoughts on, especially the big three, because Certainly a memorable, if bittersweet, debut for Drew Holiday. Chris Middleton missed some shots early, but uh, a big all-around stat night for Chris. And, and obviously Giannis, you know, just sort of ho-hum. Um, struggled in many respects, but but then scores 18 points to finish with 35 in the fourth quarter. Um, I don't know if any of those guys really, kind of really jumped out at you. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about Drew Holiday because it would be easy to watch this game and walk away feeling negative and you've lost. And it is quite easy to point out the things that you would like to see improved or perhaps some of the weaknesses that we already spoke about before the season started that we already knew. Um, so I think we can get positive. Before we do, I want to talk about Bet Online AG because, Frank, we did the over and unders the other day, uh, 50.5, 0-1. For those that took the money on, on the under, they might be feeling pretty good. But with NFL playoffs and college bowl season around the corner, uh, you can get everything you need at betonline.ag. There is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for 50 for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The NBA. 
NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The holidays are about giving, so I'm going to give you a hot tip that could earn you some extra cash. The new Locked On Bets podcast is hosted by Lee Sterling of ParamountSports.com. Lee is red hot to start the season and he shares a lock of the day on every episode. Subscribe to Locked On Bets today wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, but like I said before the break here, let's talk a little bit of Drew Holiday. Uh, we spoke about the big three and the fact they put up all those points, but 25 points overall for Drew, six rebounds, three assists. Uh, had a couple of steals as well, 10 for 16, pretty efficient from the floor. And actually, uh, he was 9 for 12 in two-point range, which is certainly notable. Uh, you spoke about the fact that he was leaking out on offense a little bit, got some transition fast-break baskets in the first half. Uh, part of that was Chris Middleton uh, just being a beast on the boards tonight. He tied a career high with 14. But I was more interested in what we saw, particularly in the fourth quarter, but the second half in general, when the Bucks were really struggling to score, Giannis was looking a little bit out of sorts. He was picking up those charges. They just weren't finding Giannis in different areas of the floor. They were just put it, giving it to him up top, and he was getting downhill. And Marcus Smart, we know, has been an irritant, to say the least, uh, defending Giannis in years gone by. And I just didn't think that the Bucks' offense was functioning all that well. But Drew Holiday was the one guy through the night that I think you walk away and say... Uh, this is what this guy can do in the half court. He can break a guy down a little bit. I love the fact that um, the one thing that we always saw with Derek Bledsoe, and, and not to knock him, but he was kind of one-paced. He would put his head down. He would use his physical size to bully guys and try and finish at the rim. What Drew Holiday does is he doesn't necessarily have that explosion, but he changes his pace a little bit, uses hesitation moves. He can step back. He can post up a little bit. And he, I think he showed a little bit of all of that tonight. And I'm not expecting him to go nine for 12 from two point range every single night. But again, I just think that you got a little bit of a tease of some of the stuff that he's going to be able to add in the half court as a legitimate third guy that you can actually rely on and say, okay, Giannis can sort of get his own stuff. Chris can get his own stuff. We know that Brooke Lopez didn't see a lot of him offensively tonight, but they've used him more in the post last season. And now you've got Drew Holiday, another reliable guy that can get you a bucket when you need it. And we saw the big three that he had when he crossed up Daniel Tice, uh, knocked down the step back. That was his only three made for the night, but it gave the Bucks the lead. And it was really quite a remarkable debut with Milwaukee. Just unfortunate that they weren't able to finish off in the end. Yeah, I mean, he's got great, that, that great change of pace, hesitation game. I mean, his left hand is phenomenal. Like yeah. Holiday and, and, and John Wall um, always kind of stuck out at me because they're right-handed players, but they love going to their left hand and and I mean you watch Drew's highlight I mean he dunks with his left hand a lot and and Wall I think was you know the sort of the the, the peak of uh point guards dunking with their off hands in in recent years Wall Wall dun- certainly dunks used at least used to dunk more than than Holiday did but you know Drew actually I mean his his you look at his like dunk rates he actually has not been falling off which is encouraging given that you know he's 30 now um, and he had, you know, injuries, especially in the early and middle parts of his career. He, he still dunks actually a fair bit, certainly a lot more than <laughs> Bledsoe, obviously really tailed off. Um, but yeah, Holiday's got that great pacing to his game and he's really savvy about using his strength. 
And that's something we did see Bledsoe. I mean, Bledsoe did have an ability to use his bulk to kind of get get into the paint, but he was obviously a lot smaller. He felt a lot smaller than than Drew in terms of just like the way he he can finish. Um, you know, Holiday uses those kind of like short little like almost hook shots at times, mm-hmm. um, where he kind of like walks a guy into almost a post up that's like you know in yeah. the middle of the lane, um, which is just you know again kind of speaks to his savvy. Um, but yeah, he's just a very controlled. I think control is is really the best word for it. He plays a very controlled style and kind of knows how to get to his spots. And and obviously, you know, his, his he has elite size for for a point guard. And so that was that was fun to watch. And it is interesting because you know, I mean, he's not like a typical like you know, bring the ball up, ball always in his hands type point guard. Um, and the Bucks don't really play that way anyway, right? I mean, it's not like Bledsoe was that type of guy either. They took the ball out of Bledsoe's hand a lot too. They like to you know, change things up. You have Chris, you have Giannis bringing the ball up. Um, and then you have, you know, the, you, you'll have the point guard coming off a screen, especially I think they've liked to, to give Drew opportunities to come off and get the ball in sort of different, different spots. So we'll be interesting to see, you know, how he sort of continues to be used and, and sort of how he kind of finds a rhythm with, with Giannis and Chris and, and Brooke as well. Obviously Brooke and Giannis are going to be kind of the two primary kind of pick and roll uh, guys that, that he'll work with, you know, didn't, didn't have a lot of opportunities with those guys necessarily tonight. Um, but that'll obviously be something that, that we'll watch out for kind of, kind of moving forward. So certainly a very encouraging night for, for holiday. And um, you know, I think again, also just the fact that you can put them out there and, you know, against a team like Boston, obviously didn't end up having, you know, a real impact on the game, but the fact that you have him, Chris, Giannis, all being able to, switch defensively is obviously a big plus and and we saw only real really like a you know we didn't see like lots it's not like the bucks went to like a really all-out sort of switching type scheme um you know Giannis gets tatum on a switch on that bank shot uh Giannis got brown on a switch uh i think it was was it with a minute left something like that and brown just totally crossed him up like brown made a great move and beat Giannis for a layup i mean so Giannis gets beaten twice. The Tatum one really can't do much about that. That was good defense by Giannis. But the other one, um, you know, you Giannis needs to do better. Like, you know, he gave up a layup one-on-one, basically. Brown just just caught him. Um, so certainly uh, we'll see kind of what, what that means kind of moving forward. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, encouraging night for Drew. And, and Chris, you know, kind of slow start shooting the ball a little bit. But, uh, you know, he ends up in the box score, what, 10 out of 20. Uh, ended up having, you know, your typical dominant versus the Celtics <laughs> type night for, for Chris Middleton. And, um, you know, he hit some big shots there in the fourth quarter as well as the Bucks were kind of working their way back from that big deficit, which again was, you know, that, that, that piece was at least encouraging to see. And, you know, he kind of did a bit of everything with, with his playmaking. And, um, you know, I, he obviously had to work pretty hard tonight having to defend, Brown and Tatum and you know he didn't have Wes Matthews kind of always just peeling off one of those guys um you know Chris is always gonna have to work against the Celtics because they've got those two good wing wings that that you have to kind of account for um so he didn't have an easy night defensively by any stretch you know I thought I I thought he was fine defensively I think you know I give those guys a lot of credit they had a lot of tough mid-range shots they obviously made threes um and I was encouraged that you know again Chris especially under heavy minute load didn't didn't you know it wasn't like he was laboring or it didn't take too much out of him offensively um he did have that opportunity on that pull up 
um, late in the game that, that unfortunately he missed. That was obviously a big miss. You know, you think back to those last, last few minutes, right? I mean, just some really botched opportunities for the Bucks. Holiday hit that big three, but you know, Giannis had that, had that spin move where Tice goes down and, you know, he literally finger rolls uh, a one that barely catches rim. That was a tough miss that Giannis has to finish. Um, Chris obviously missing that shot. And, you know, Dante DiVincenzo has a one-on-one with Jeff Teague with, well, whatever it was, 50 seconds left. <sighs> That's a tough spot. Bucks, I think, were up were they up two points or one point, I think, at that point. Um, you know, I don't totally fault him for trying to be aggressive, but the curse of Dante layups finally reared its head. He obviously had a very strong start and, and overall a good game, but um, but ends up turning the ball over and, and giving the ball back to Boston in a position where, you know, obviously you have a, a great opportunity there to to get some more breathing room if if you make a layup or peel it back out and run some clock and and give the ball to one of your big three. So, um, so yeah, I mean, certainly offensively, not not much to complain about in the net, even with so little opportunities, just so little of anything from the bench. You know, I think we saw obviously the big three show that they can carry an offense quite easily on any given night. Um, do, you, do you want to talk a little bit about what we saw from from Giannis? Because I think it looked like a lot of the same from last year for me, um, for better and worse. Um, and I think you know, seven turnovers, four of them, uh, four of them on uh, charges. Um, or was it five charges? Did he have four or five charges? Oh no, four, I think. Right. Cause he got that foul in the, in, in with nine seconds oh, left. That was on him, defense. Yeah. Yep. yeah. But four charges. I don't know if all of them were on smart. It felt like at least two or three of them were on smart. So Marcus smart again, getting inside Giannis's head and anticipating where he's going to be. Um, he misses a couple threes early, uh, in the third quarter, he missed, I think, five straight shots. He, I think he was 6 of 11 at one point, then was 6 of 16, and just didn't look like he had much of a rhythm at all. And then he comes out in the fourth quarter, and I think he made seven of his first eight shots because I think he missed his last two to finish 13 out of 26. We saw some fadeaways. Um, you know, we saw one that he kind of eased over from the middle of the floor from maybe 10 feet out, which is that shot that, that we love to see, that kind of easy little – high release mid range shot. Um, I don't think we saw really like much, you know, like we didn't see any like post hook shot type stuff, but he looked a little bit more comfortable as the game went on, kind of shooting some mid range stuff some some turnarounds um, and, and did hit, I mean, it, he was three out of eight from three, which, you know, you can live with that for sure. Um, but his last one was a, <laughs> how many minutes, I forget how many minutes were left, but, um, you know, he had, he had one big, at least one big three in the fourth quarter when they were kind of trying to come back, maybe two. Uh, but then he just completely airballs one, um, inside the final five minutes. I forget how much time was left, but you know, you kind of had thought he had a rhythm type pull up and just total short arm airball. Um, and so again, I think even with some of the positives, uh, you know, again, some of the negatives as well, I don't, I don't think we saw him playing a very different style tonight. Uh, and again, you know, 35 points on 26 shots, you know, from mortals, you'd say that's an awesome night for Giannis. It's like, yeah, we expect that. Right. Especially in 36 minutes. Um, he did go back to his old free throw. It looked like much more similar to what we saw last year in terms of his free throw motion. Didn't have that pronounced cocking of his right elbow. And again, 
misses that final free throw, but he did go six out of eight. And on any given night, I will happily take 75%. So I guess, I guess we call it a, a small, a small victory that he wasn't, you know, two for eight or something like that. Um, but, uh, you know, again, Giannis is Giannis. And if he's going to play 35, 36 minutes tonight, I, I guess we should, we're probably going to feel pretty good about that over-under of, of over 29 and a half. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, I've got some more thoughts on Giannis as well. Before I do that, just a quick note about a new podcast on the network. Locked On Women's Basketball is the only daily podcast covering the world of women's hoops. Join an all-star cast of hosts each day of the week for a comprehensive look at the worlds of WNBA, women's college basketball, and international competitions that you simply won't find anywhere else. Subscribe to Locked On Women's Basketball on your favorite podcast provider. Or I'll, uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see when the, when Milwaukee gets their WNBA franchise. But as far as Giannis goes, it's funny because you mentioned the line that he has 35 points, 13 rebounds. I thought for a lot of the game, he, he looked gassed. He looked fatigued. And I actually tweeted at the start of the fourth quarter that, geez, the Bucks' starting group looks fantastic. They're making a bit of a run. But I'm just not sure they're going to be able to continue this because I think ultimately the guys are going to run out of gas a little bit. They all looked pretty tired. We've gone into the minute loads a little bit. But it comes back to Yana saying after the game that he, he wants to get in shape, which is such a strange way to kind of put it. Um, and uh, I agree that we've seen him in the postseason in years gone by. He didn't look like he was able to finish. His shots were super short late in the fourth quarters. He just looked fatigued. And given this, the way this season is going to be run, short of regular season, I think I would just rather see him average 35 minutes a night and have more games off. Like I just think that that's going to be more beneficial for him through the season. And perhaps you can do it with other guys as well. I know we've just gone on and spoke about the concerns about depth of the, of the roster. And maybe you don't want Giannis sitting too often. But I just think getting that consistent 35, 36 minutes per night is just going to be better for him when the postseason rolls around. And I'm probably at the point, as far as his jump shooting goes, that I'm just not that excited about the three-point shot anymore. Because I think the big thing that we've noticed... Certainly going back a year or two ago, we would discuss it and we would say, well, if he can sort of shoot the three, the defense will come out, the pressure will be on. I think we've seen enough now to understand it's not really going to be the case. No one is really guarding him right in his face. Even if, he's, even if he was four for four, they're not going to do that. He's going to always have that shot. So the problem with him shooting the majority of his threes from above the break is that it's the same look of the offense that we've seen in years gone by where he's at the top, there's four guys spread out, He's either going to pull up for a three where you kind of just cross your fingers and hopes it goes down, or he's going to try and get, get downhill. And that's when he puts himself in the position of getting caught uh, for those charges, which, as you mentioned, four of those tonight. Uh, the other one was Grant Williams, I believe. He, he clocked him pretty hard on, on the head there in the fourth quarter. So I think I was more excited again about him knocking down some of those turnarounds, particularly in the fourth quarter when the Bucks were really rolling, because I think that unlocks other things. If you get Giannis touching the ball in different places, not only does it remove the threat of the offensive foul, 
but it allows other guys to do stuff. If, if they want to throw a quick double, you're going to have an opportunity to cut or you're going to have another guy who you probably prefer shooting the ball, shooting the three. Because think about the guys that are on the floor with him at the two close games. Dante, Drew, Brooke, Chris. You give those guys an open three, maybe it's an extra pass. You're going to take that more than Giannis shooting that three from the top. So I was encouraged by the fourth quarter. But again, to get back to the, to the main point here, 35 points and 13 rebounds and a night where for the majority of the night you're sitting there watching him and thinking he's not looking his best. Uh, yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, and um, it's inter- I'm curious to see what Giannis's kind of post-productivity is this year because I think yeah. – and, and if you guys haven't listened to it, I, I really recommend listening to uh, Zach Lowe and Jeff Van Gundy's podcast the other day. It was, it was sort of their big – it was the, you know – Jeff Van Gundy grumbles and acts like a, you know, a grumpy old man about talking about the NBA outlook for, you know, an hour or whatever. And I don't, I don't love Van Gundy, especially as a, as a, an announcer, but I always find his, I find his perspective pretty interesting. And, you know, he, he's obviously, he generally has like, obviously a very like a pro coach kind of bias. Um, but I, they spent a lot of time talking about the Bucks and Giannis pretty early in that pod. They talked about the Lakers and then they spent a lot of time talking about, Giannis and the Bucks, and um, it, it was a very interesting, very interesting discussion. They they actually talked a bit about the Raptors series. Um, they talked about you know the importance of of him in the post, and um, you know I think Zach really kind of underscored kind of what you're getting at too, which is just you know the the three point shot has just become an overrated sort of point of emphasis for him. And especially those pull-ups, I think, you know, because, again, it, it, it doesn't really – like, if he becomes really good at it, um, it, it doesn't really change the, the geometry of the court, right? Um, and, and it's not because – I don't. I mean, I don't think teams, like, should – if, if I was a funny else, I wouldn't try to just lay 10 feet off of him. I actually don't think that works very well either. I think there's arguments for certain guys actually trying to get up and crowd him on the perimeter – because you just sort of take away his ability to really get ahead of steam. Um, but, but look, I mean, it's just, it's become the cliche of, you know, he hits a three or he misses a three and the announcer says like, Oh, well you, you can live with that. You know, Oh, you, you know, every, every time he shoots that, like the defense is going to be really happy. It's like, yeah, we, we get it. You know, everybody agrees. Like that's not insightful anymore. Um, and I think that's the reason that he, he needs to be more judicious about those threes. And I, I think those like pull up rhythm, threes early in the clock I just yeah I would say those just don't really it gets to what we talked about in the playoffs about valuing possessions and how I think that really showed up as well like when the Bucks were losing they don't seem to they didn't seem to value possessions as much as they should and ironically Giannis hit a three in, a, in an exact situation like that in the fourth quarter tonight I think they were down like 14 early in the fourth and he hits a pull-up three and you know, again, I, I kind of worry because I think that encourages those types of shots more. Um, but I, I think that it, it'll be interesting to watch. And I don't, I mean, I, look, I don't love the baseline turnarounds, but um, he's definitely gotten a lot better at them. Um, we saw him at a, I think a couple of them tonight. I do like those middle of the court, um, those middle of the court kind of turning t- towards the paint, uh, kind of short fadeaways. He got a nice little roll uh, on one of those tonight. Um, cause yeah, I think obviously he's going to have to figure out ways to sort of manufacture points. I think his passing, I think with his back to basket, I'm, I don't know. I don't think he has great vision from that, from that spot. Um, I, I kind of like him at the nail at the elbow facing up, um, 
because, you know, again, he's closer, right? It's not like he's at the three point line and he's got to, you know, it's, it's harder to load up on him when he's 15 feet away versus 25 feet. Um, and I, I, but I do think he's, his, his ability to see the floor is probably always at its best when, when he's got his, you know, he's facing the basket, but, but again, we'll, we'll see, he's got to be get better at all those things. Um, I think to, to be at his kind of absolute peak. Um, what, one other thing I, I wanted to mention, um, I'm not sure if you had other p- kind of points for tonight, but, um, you know, I think one of the complaints is sort of like reading <laughs> Twitter and stuff. Um, you know, Pat Connaughton played high leverage minutes tonight. And I was about to cut you off, Frank, because when you said one of the complaints from Twitter, I said, there's one main complaint I saw <laughs> and, you, and you're and you about to hit it. So please continue. <laughs> Pat Connaughton getting high leverage minutes. Um, he, he, he got minutes tonight. They, they went small at times in the fourth. Um, Brooke ultimately came back um, and they had Brooke actually play a lot higher on a screen and roll with, I think it was Tatum. Uh, and and that basically put the ball in Daniel Tice's hands, and he missed uh, an open three uh, late in the game. They they did that a couple times tonight. Um, after he hit a couple early threes, they actually pretty much dared Tice to beat them with threes, and he couldn't. Um, but Pat Connaughton then was in there with kind of Giannis the five lineup, and it was kind of ironic that Jason Tatum hit a hit a step back on him, or a little mini fadeaway, uh, and that Pat didn't jump. Like how, how often? How often does back on it to not get any type of contest off? Usually, it's because he's you know flown by the guy and he's you know in the third row of of the the crowd um, that he doesn't get a contest off. But um, I mean, and that wasn't that wasn't like a really easy shot for Tatum, right? I mean, generally speaking, if if you tell me that the the Celtics are going to get a, a fadeaway from Jason Tatum, I'd say it's probably a, a good outcome. But uh, but yeah, I mean, again, just it kind of gets to the thing, right? I feel like people are always down on Pat and I feel like it's cause Bud puts him in these positions a lot of times where it's like, you know, he's out there and being treated like he's got to be a stopper. And I think, I don't know that it was in, I don't know that they said, though, go Pat, Pat, go, go defend Jason Tatum. It just sort of worked out that way. Cause that's, who we matched up with uh, when that play started. But, um, but yeah, I, I think if you're, you know, obviously depending on, on Pat Connaughton to be your leading minute guy off the bench, you know, it just sort of underscores all our all our concerns about the Bucks bench, and that that was, I mean, to me, late in games, um, that is where I would say, okay, what is Tory Craig's role, right? Because because that's the scenario where you know a year ago you you throw Wes Matthews on Tatum or Brown or whatever and say just you know go be strong and and again not necessarily to lock that guy down, but you know, make life hard on him. And Tory Craig, obviously, by default, is that guy right now. And that was, I think, the obvious question was, okay, so where does Tory Craig kind of come out this season? And, you know, is it just obviously he's new to the team? Um, you know, in, in a month, is Tory Craig going to start getting some consistent minutes and maybe be the guy that, that takes on that role? Because I think certainly he's better equipped to do so. And, I mean, look, neither Pat nor Tory Craig are knockdown three point shooters and, and Pat, you know, hit two threes tonight, but then missed uh, a good look at a corner three in the fourth quarter during that stretch that obviously could have really, you know, resulted in the game having a different outcome, unfortunately. So, yeah, I mean, it's sort of things I, I like, I think again, Pat kind of often catches more flack than he deserves, but I think, you know, I tweet out, it's kind of hard to dissociate sort of Pat's limitations from bud 
putting them on full display by putting them in, in these situations where they become obvious, right? Like I just, you can't treat Pat Connaughton like a defensive stopper. And it just feels like he's, he's too often in situations where he's, he's asked to guard guys who are, you know, all-star caliber guys. And um, it just inevitably feels like he doesn't, he doesn't get help when, when the Bucks always overhelp, but it seems like Pat Connaughton's often not the guy, the guy who doesn't get that help. Yeah, I think you put it well. And I understand that there's a new shiny toy aspect to this. And call me biased because Tory Craig's an honorary Australian. But honestly, you pointed, <laughs> you pointed on it. I mean, if, if you're going to have a streaky shooter out there, which they both are. I mean, they've both shot in the low 30s. So let's not act like Pat Connaughton is a big shooting upgrade. Uh, Tory Craig, if he's wide open, which he's probably going to be, get it up. Hopefully it goes down. But if you're looking for a guy that's gonna that you need an extra wing defender in a closing lineup, then it should be Tory Craig. And, and we know that Bud loves Pat, and that's fine. But that's where uh, I think the the point that you made, where I think it's the the anger is perhaps more tied to Bud than necessarily directly at Pat. I don't know. That's the sense I get. And we know Tory Craig had some some injury concerns through the preseason as well. So I think that that was all tied to it. But certainly, if you're talking about guys that you think you can play in the fourth quarter of a, of a playoff game to defend the key matchups, Tory Craig's done that. We've seen that with Denver over the last couple of years. So I'd probably feel better with him in the lineup. I think we've pretty much hit everything. I, I just got a DM as we were doing this. So before we wrap this up, I just want to read out this DM I got. It was from Trenton uh, Shrita. I believe that's the correct pronunciation there he says hey queen uh hey hey queen why, why am i calling myself queen now hey kane quick mailbag question for you will the pain and suffering ever end as a bucks fan i thought the years with michael red being our saving grace were rough but this is even harder to endure you're awesome go bucks now come on trenton i Listen, you don't want to go back there. No one wants to go back there. I know the Bucks lost tonight. I know there's some frustration and there's always going to be a little bit of anxiety, but this is so much better than what we used to put ourselves through on a nightly basis. So we're going to keep your heads up. I know, 0-1, below 500, it's tough, but it's not that bad. Yeah, I mean, you know, a year ago, the Bucks lost in Boston. I think you guys might remember this. They got, I think they were leading by double digits in the first half, and then yeah. Kemba and, and company just kind of just blew them out of the water in, in the second half. And Giannis and Smart were rolling on the ground near the end of that one in frustration. Um, and that was definitely not as close as this one. Look, it, it's not a good result, obviously. Um, I think encouraging Drew Holiday looking like a guy that you, you hope we see more of that Drew Holiday, obviously throughout the course of the season, uh, Chris Middleton looking like Chris Middleton, Giannis, um, the mostly good. And, and again, room for improvement. I think certainly, um, you know, if we saw a good version of Giannis, he probably scores, he could have scored 45 tonight <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you, when you think about it. Um, and again, I think obviously, I think that bench is obviously something that we're gonna have to watch all season long and just sort of see how they how they try to patch that over because um, that that's obviously I think going to be going to be an area of concern and they're going to need more from from those guys. And I'm glad you mentioned Craig because I know I think you mentioned in the the preview pod overnight um, with Camille that that he said he had a, I think was nursing some kind of groin injury. So obviously that that could have been you know part of part of the reason that he didn't play today as well. So. 71 left the <laughs> 72 and 0 is uh the dream is is gone i don't think there's gonna be a 71 season this year uh kane but um let's just say for the sake of all of our mental health um 
would be really nice to see the Bucks come out and, and lay the wood to the Warriors on, uh, on Christmas Day. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I, I don't think that we're going to do a preview podcast. I, I'm, I don't want to give too much away. I'm speaking to someone in the morning. There might be a little special podcast, uh, which is my Christmas Day, Christmas Eve for you guys if you're in the, in the US. But I don't think we'll get to a full preview. I, um, I, I don't think we really need to. The, what I will say is Draymond Green is out. He's not playing on Christmas Day. So that's certainly noteworthy for the Bucs as they try and uh, pick up their first win of the season. But I'm, I'm glad you made it to Wisconsin safe. I'm glad you got to watch the game. Obviously, we both wish it was a different result at the end. But uh, you enjoy yourself. Enjoy some time off. Eat some Rocky Rococo's pizza. I, don't that's, know I was going to say, that's what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm going to drown yeah. my sorrows in some, some Rockies. So. Well, that's perfect. Well, I know I mentioned this the other day. I know last year we caught up and it was a bit of a somber podcast on uh, what was the day after Christmas for me, Christmas for you. But uh, I'm sure either way, we'll find some time to talk about that game on Christmas Day. We will. All right. Let's leave it there. Like I said, maybe a podcast tomorrow, but if there isn't, I'm probably drinking beers in the sun or doing something like that. So I'm just going to see what happens tomorrow. But the Bucks go down 122-121 in a tough ending, no doubt about that. But we will be back uh, at minimum after the game against Golden State. Looking for a different Christmas result than we got last year for Frank and myself. Take it easy out there and uh, stay safe. Stay safe these holidays. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.